CES Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. I feel it in my I'm a citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor, Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Good morning, everybody, and welcome into Hog Hoops Live, episode number five. I'm your host, Curtis Wilgerson. You can always find me on the team over at hogsports.com alongside Danny West and Trey Biddy. A lot to talk about since the last time we've been here. You know, the, the Razorbacks were undefeated the last time we, we met with you, and now they've dropped two straight, two tough ones at home to Missouri, a heartbreaker last night to Tennessee. We're going to take a deep dive into that Tennessee game, what went right, what went wrong for the Razorbacks. We're also going to preview a very, very crucial game this weekend coming up against the Georgia Bulldogs. Appreciate you joining us this morning. Welcome in to Hog Hoops Live. Okay, before we get started, let's go through all the how to watch stuff. Uh, as always, remember, if you're tuned in right now, obviously you're on your, our page there on the Facebook live stream on Hog Sports. You can find us there. Uh, make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Hog Hoops Live has, it own, has its own. Uh, for those of you who are podcast listeners, you can find us on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify. Uh, you know the drill. Hop on, give us a five-star review, throw us a thumbs up, leave a comment. All those things help generate some traffic. We would certainly appreciate it. Okay, let's talk a little basketball. Th this Tennessee game. Arkansas goes on the road uh, facing number nine Tennessee last night. They lose 79 to 74. You know, my immediate reaction, emotional reaction to that is, well, th this stinks, right? I, I mean, it stinks because for the second game in a row, you feel like the Hogs let a huge opportunity slip away. Uh, it stinks because you go on the road and score, you know, the most points, you shoot the highest percentage, and you out-rebound a Tennessee team that's ranked number one in the country in most defensive metrics across the board. But you turn the ball over 20 times, and you lose the game. It's frustrating, right? I mean, you have a seven-point lead at halftime, and then you let John Fulkerson come in and, and erase that by himself about three minutes into the second half. Uh, you know, you had so many, so many chances really there down the stretch in the final minute and just came a little bit short. You know, Vance Jackson had a really good look from three uh, there in the final minute that would have put Arkansas up by one. It was halfway down, rimmed out. Connor Vanover comes in. He's got a chance at the tip-in, misses the tip-in. You know, you get another chance to tie the game. with I think there's about 5.6 seconds left. Uh, Jalen Tate really has a good look from three. Uh, you know, they tried to go underneath on the screen. He, he had just buried one, uh, had a good look, and, and just, you know, it's online, just hits back iron uh, just a tad long, and, and you fall and lose that game on the road. You know, it's, it's frustrating. I understand. You know, a lot of, a lot of people on our boards um, are upset by it. You know, you see reaction on Twitter. Uh, you know, I, I think coming into this three-game stretch to open SEC play with Auburn, Missouri, Tennessee, a lot of people probably thought, okay, well, you know, if Arkansas could come out of this one and two, and it's not going to be that frustrating. Uh, but I think it's frustrating because of the way that it went down, right? Having to navigate this stretch without Justin Smith, that's difficult. I mean, you've really developed uh, – 
a lot of chemistry over the course of eight games, and, and you thought the team was really starting to click, and then he goes down. You're going to be without him for a while. You feel like this team is kind of on the cusp, but never quite able to get over the hump. I understand. It's that's that's frustrating. It really is. You know, you think back think back to last year even, and you know the Razorbacks got off to a really strong start. They went into Christmas break uh, with a little bit of momentum. They come out and immediately they go to Indiana and win that big game over the Hoosiers. Right? Everybody's excited. They start SEC play. They take down Texas A and M feeling really good about yourself, and then you kind of hit that rut. It was right about the time people were saying, hey, this team is good. Maybe this is a maybe this is a top 25 team. They're legit. They're for real. Then you drop that wild game to LSU where they, they out-rebound you on the offensive glass like 30-1 to 1 or, or whatever it was that was ridiculous. You tread water a little bit. Then you lose Isaiah Joe, and, and you first of all, he was hurt for a stretch, and you could tell, and then you lose him, and you go on that five-game stretch, and, and then you're you're just clawing and scrapping, trying to get back in the conversation, and you don't want that to happen here. And I don't think it's going to, but there are some similarities there. There's no denying that. I can understand why people would be frustrated by where they're at because you feel like this is a team capable of, of maybe being in the upper tier of college basketball, and, and waiting on them to get there can be maddening at times. I get it. I, I feel it. I'm with you. Just remember, it's a marathon and not a sprint. Okay, a lot of new faces, a lot of adjustments that have to be made. It's a long SEC schedule. I think Musselman found some of the answers that he was looking for last night. Uh, I thought there were a lot of positives to take away, but there might also be some new questions that were created throughout that game. We'll talk about them. Looking at the stat sheet, I, man, those 20 turnovers, they really stick out, don't they? Kind of puts a black eye on what I think was otherwise a, a really solid performance on on both ends, especially offensively, I mean, you, <laughs> we're not going to talk about that Missouri game. I don't I don't ever want to talk about it again necessarily, but uh, you know that was a historically bad shooting performance across the board, and that's that's definitely one Arkansas is going to wish that they had back when it's all said and done. But you you know you turn around and you play a better defensive team in Tennessee. I mean, these guys, uh, they're good. Okay, <laughs> I mean, I I think they're probably. The class of the SEC right now, uh, maybe an Elite Eight, Final Four caliber team if everything's clicking. They're deep, they're talented, they're big, they're athletic. Uh, but, you know, you go in there, you shoot nearly 53% from the field. You basically doubled your shooting percentage from the field in a game. 40% from three on the road, 80% from the free throw line. I mean, it's against, you know, a team that's number one in the country in adjusted defensive efficiency, according to Kempom. That's impressive. You scored 74 points. They allow 55 per game. That's tops in the country, Tennessee's scoring defense. The highest they had given up before that was, was 71 when they lost to Alabama. So scored the most points of, points of anybody against Tennessee. You know, after that Missouri game, Musselman was so frustrated about shot selection, right? Shot selection and then <laughs> making layups, right, which is ridiculous. But I thought the shot selection was, it was and the finishing, both. I thought we were leaps and bounds better against Tennessee. To be honest with you, I'm kind of stunned that Arkansas only got to the free throw line 10 times in that game, as aggressive as they were going to the rim. Kudos to Tennessee for some of that. I mean, those guys play strong fundamental defense. They had nine block shots in the game. But Arkansas was relentless, man. They kept, they kept going in there. They kept battling. You know, the only free throws that, that Arkansas shot in the first half came when Moses Moody got fouled on a three-pointer. It wasn't even on a drive. Then you only shoot 10 in the game 
and then you turn around on, on the other end and, and Tennessee shoots 26. And some of those relate when you're in the, in the situation where you have to foul uh, to extend the game, but kind of a disparity there. Some good takeaways from this. Jalen Williams earned his first career start, 6'10", freshman forward, uh, played well against Missouri and, you know, kind of earned a, a, a step into that role. Musselman said, you know, that he wasn't as pleased as he thought he would be with the four-guard lineup that they'd been using quite a bit against Auburn uh, and then Missouri, and he wanted to play a little bit bigger. He did that. I mean, you, you start 7'3 and 6'10 inside. That's impressive. I thought Jalen did a good job. I mean, the game's still slowing down for him, as it is the case with all freshmen. You know, he picked up two really quick fouls. Musselman gave him, you know, more of a leash than I thought he would. A lot of times you pick up two fouls in the first half like that early, and, and you're on the bench for, for the remainder of the half. And he kind of let him play through it a little bit. Uh, did have four turnovers. That's something that he said after the game, got to work on him with. It's something, something that happens with freshmen. Sometimes you get going a little bit too fast. Uh, and, and kind of, you know, you're, you're thinking a step ahead, but your body's not reacting that fast. You make some careless mistakes. And against a team like Tennessee, I mean, it's going to happen. Okay, it's going to happen. But I really like him. I love the way he moves. He's so mobile, I feel like, for his size. I love his energy. You know, I'd like to see him more active on the glass uh, than he has been the last couple games. You know he can board it. You know, maybe right now against just the speed and athleticism against the SEC, he's adjusting. He's adjusting a little bit. Uh, I think he's getting a lot more comfortable offensively. was really impressed. With, you know, he had one move in particular. He kind of caught it around that elbow area in the high post and, and took a dribble and, and went right into Fulkerson's chest and finished a shot on him. That's tough. That's a tough shot. I, I thought that was impressive. So a lot to like there moving forward. And as we get into some of these upcoming games, you're going to find that the Razorbacks – are going to be facing teams that don't really have traditional centers. We'll talk about that against Georgia, and they're going to be fast. Some teams are going to play four or five guards, and, and the matchups for Connor Vanover uh, are going to get a little bit more complicated. Jalen's a guy that can step in and give you size and some mobility to kind of counteract that. So I think his role is going to continue to increase. I really do. We'll see. Okay. Vance Jackson. Okay. Listen, I've, I've been saying since we started doing this show that, that really I think Vance Jackson's such a key to this team. And I know he got off to a rough start, and it, it looks like at times he's not focused defensively. Maybe he's a little checked out or, I don't know, bad body language, whatever. But we've heard differently you know, the whole season. Anytime we ask Musselman about it, he says, hey, no, Vance is working. He's, he's the first guy in the gym shooting every morning. right? He's kept a positive attitude and things like that. As soon as Justin Smith went down, my initial reaction was, it's got to be Vance. He's the one guy on this team that can really fill that void in the power forward spot, the four spot. Uh, he's got the size. He's, he's pretty versatile in terms of being able to operate on the perimeter. It just made sense. Things just had to click for him. He gave Arkansas a big boost last night. He played 33 minutes. 33 minutes, which is really impressive. Uh, 14 points. He hit some big shots. He hit three three-pointers. Um, I thought he looked really confident. He had a little bit of his swagger back, the swagger that you saw when he was at New Mexico and at UConn offensively. 14 points, that's solid. And nine rebounds, right? People have been upset about his, you know, you're 6'9", man, get on the glass. I've said it too. Uh, and he started doing that. Nine defensive rebounds. That was key. Arkansas out-rebounded Tennessee. And that's and a large part of that is because of his ability to get in and, and mix it up on the defensive glass. I thought he did a great job. Uh, you know, and it sounds like he might be rewarded with a start 
on Saturday. The way Musselman was talking after the game, you know, he said, hey, you know, we, we went with Devo against Missouri. Uh, you know, Jalen earned his spot against uh, Tennessee. And he said, moving forward, there's going to be another change to the lineup as they continue to try to figure things out and find the best combinations that are going to work against uh, Georgia and teams moving forward. And it sounds like Vance has earned some trust and he might get a shot. And I hope that he really stays consistent. That's been a thorn in his side throughout his career is just that consistency, right? Well, hey, man, at least be consistent for a few games until Justin Smith gets back because he can. you can really give this team a big boost. So it's happy to see that. J.D. Note leads the team in scoring again with 19 points. Listen, he's your closer, okay, period. Uh, for some reason, he, he seems to drive a lot of folks nuts. I understand that. I, I would just encourage you to save yourself the high blood pressure and try to take the good with the bad when it comes to J.D. You, you got to think back to Mason Jones last year. I, I've made the comparison before. I Listen, Mason was bigger, uh, stronger, and, and incredible. That's why he's in the NBA now. Okay, uh, but similar in terms of these are the guys on an Eric Musselman team who are going to be given a longer leash, the ability to have freedom uh, to create off the dribble. And he's the one guy on this team right now that can do that consistently. So what comes with that is going to be some mistakes and he's going to take some bad shots and he's going to drive in there in the lane and, and dribble the ball off his foot occasionally or, or throw a bad pass because he's trying to do too much. That's frustrating. It's something they've been talking to him about. You know, Musselman said after the game, hey, J.D. hasn't played a lot of point guard. He's still getting used to it, still learning the position, trying to get that mentality as a guy who can go score it and distribute. He'll get better as the year goes along, but there's no denying, you know, efficient or not, when you need a bucket, he can go get you one. And that's big for this team. It is. And, and he made some absolutely critical plays down the stretch offensively, and I thought he was more under control. He turned the ball over four times, and he did. But I thought overall he was more under control. You take a look at his stat line, uh, and, and Musselman, he mentioned that he challenged him in front of the team about his shot selection after that Missouri game. He went 6 for 18 uh, and, and basically said, hey, man, if you're not going to take the shots we want you to take and the ones that are going to help this team, you're not going to get your minutes. Well, look at his stat line, 7 of 11 from the floor. That's efficient. It's very efficient. Two of four from the three-point line, so he wasn't jacking those crazy 30-footers that he's, he's grown accustomed to at least once per game. Uh, like I said, he over-dribbled a little bit, got careless a couple times, but, you know, that's what the best defense in the country will do to you sometimes. Thought he did a good job, and, and he has improved defensively. He has, on ball. Uh, really, he's been, he's been coming up with some crucial steals lately. Uh, I thought when Arkansas went zone and J.D. was at the top of that, man, he was giving Tennessee fits at the top of that, poking loose balls away, getting deflections. Uh, that was really good to see. His on-ball defense has improved quite a bit. Still has too many lapses off the ball. Got to be more focused there. Kind of the same kind of the same case as uh, Desi, right? Desi's a pretty tough, physical on-ball defender. Uh, loses focus at times off the ball. Kind of the same situation, but he's getting better. He's not as big of a liability as maybe we thought he was after the first few games. He's coming around. It's good to see. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. 
So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, <laughs> nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Should you ever set foot outside of the hotel, you will be shot. Don't miss the new Showtime limited series based on the international bestseller. For the last four years, I've been a prisoner. Why are they keeping you here? Starring Emmy Award winner Ewan McGregor. This is the brave new world that you dreamt of. Be very careful. You are still a prisoner here. Everything in this new world comes at cost. This is still my country. A Gentleman in Moscow, now streaming on Paramount Plus, only with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan. Connor Van over. Well, I mean, he erased that 0 for 11 or, or whatever it was against Missouri. A uh, little bit of a bounce back performance. He had 12 points, seven rebounds, uh, five of nine from the field. He knocked down a three, uh, which was good to see because he's been a big slump. Still want to see him shoot it better. Uh, you know, still seems like he's, you know, he's public enemy number one at times to a lot of folks. He doesn't play, you know, like he's Shaquille O'Neal inside. I mean, what the hell did you expect when he signed? I guess is my question. Listen, he's he's seven foot three. He doesn't have the frame to be two hundred and eighty pounds of solid rock. Okay, that that's not going to happen. We've got to understand that he's not a banger. That that's not his game. It never will be. Now, can he put on weight, get stronger, finish better inside? Yes, absolutely, absolutely. He put on that weight. He got sick. He lost it all. Yeah, that stinks. We got to remember he's still developing. And he had that entire set out year, but he's still just a sophomore. And so a lot of time for improvement there. Uh, you know, I, I think as, as he adjusts, listen, he played in the Pac-12. The SEC, in my opinion, is a different beast in terms of athleticism uh, and just strength and the power and, and the physicality that goes into the game. It's going to be an adjustment for him. And, and he's going to have some clunkers. He's going to have some good ones. But the key is, is he continue to get better. He's averaging nine and seven. On the year, I mean, that's that's pretty solid. Was frustrating watching Fulkerson go to work on him early in the second half. You know, Fulkerson's good though. I mean, he made some really tough shots. This is a guy that he's an All SEC big man. He's a veteran. He he scores on people. That's what he does. You know, my question more or less is about the strategy in terms of letting Connor just play behind him and letting Fulkerson work out one on one. I mean, that's a that's a tough assignment for anybody. Uh, I know, you know, Vanover's got six inches on him, but Fulkerson's skilled. He's got some old school to his game with, with the back-to-the-basket post moves that he makes. Um, that's got to improve. It, it certainly does. That's that's an area that Vanover has to improve on. But he's fine. He'll be fine. Moses Moody, man, yeah, he got locked up for the first time this season. Uh, hey, he went on about a 10-game run of being super consistent. I think he was double-figure scoring in, in the first 10 games, whatever it was. Uh, one of eight from the field in this one, he had his shot blocked four times. Uh, you know, I thought this is the first time a team did a really good job of forcing him out of his comfort zone. Every time he caught the ball, Tennessee was right in his grill, right in his chest, and they were essentially forcing him to, hey, man, you want to score on us? Put the ball on the floor and, and go finish at the rim. 
That's a part of his game that's still developing. And against one of the best defensive teams in the country, it, it gave him fits. It did. He still played 37 minutes or, or something along those lines. But that was a tough one for him. Moses is such a smart kid. Uh, and, and he's going he's gonna to absorb that film. And he's probably already in the gym working. He's going to be okay. Uh, every freshman runs into that at some point. Okay? I, don't, I don't think it's a sign of things to come or that he's overrated or anything like that. He, he's going to be just fine, and he's going to make the necessary adjustments, no doubt in my mind. Great player. There's a reason that a guy like Moses Moody is listed as a, as a first-round, even lottery pick in all these mock drafts, and it's not just because he can shoot the three. Okay? He's going to be just fine. Got to get more from Desi. Man, I feel like something might be going on there. Okay, against the Missouri game, he really struggled. I, I kind of chalk it up to just an off night, right? Happens, move on. Last night, he just didn't seem quite right to me. I, I, I don't know. Only 18 minutes played, only took one shot. He, he wasn't the aggressive, assertive, confident Desi Sills, really, that, that on either end of the floor that I think we're accustomed to seeing. We asked Muss after the game if something was going on. He kind of gave us that coach-speak answer, right? Oh, well, you know, you have great games and bad games. That's basketball kind of deal. But it just didn't, didn't quite look like he was there all the way. I, you know, maybe he's a little under the weather or a nagging injury. I, I don't know. Is something going on? Um, it seems to me like of all the times in the world that you need your one, you know, consistent returning contributor to be locked in, this is it, right? Uh Hopefully we see a bounce back from him on Saturday. Maybe just get back in Bud Walton. Sometimes it makes things all better. You know, then taking a look at some of the freshmen, I mean, there's been a lot of clamoring for K.K. Robinson, Devo Davis. Maybe they should have played more last night. Well, sure. I think part of this is you, you have a lot of good players <laughs> and a lot of talent on the team. So, you know, in, in a loss, you look back and you look at that stat sheet and you say, oh, he, he only played – this many minutes, he should have done more. This guy struggled, he shouldn't have played as much. Well, it's it's easy for us to look back and, and try to make those determinations after the fact, right? But, you know, in the moment, you got to think about it. And Arkansas led by seven at halftime. And they kind of rode the guys that got them there in the second half. And it was still a tight ball game. You know, the, you know those guards, we're talking about KK and Devo here. Well, uh you know, you like to think that your your leading scorer and Moses is going to get it going. Jalen Tate was making some big shots. You know, Note was <laughs> doing what Note does in the second half. I, I'll never understand why he's so much better in the second half than the first. But, hey, I, I guess I'd rather have that than the opposite, right? But at any rate, you know, I thought when Devo was in there, he did get some run. Um, I thought physically he belonged. Uh, athletically he belonged. He looked good. I, I really thought so. I, I think that, you know, he's a guy that, you know, maybe he's not quite ready for that start that he got against Missouri, but certainly ready for a role, um, you know, as an energy guy and, and a spark plug off of the bench, guy that can get in, get in somebody's grill and defend at a high level. I, I, I'm i fine with that. I, I thought he looked pretty good. KK got hurt. Uh, he, he removed himself in the second half, hurt his foot. Um, but you know, when he was in there in the first half, he got a, got a few minutes of run and I mean, he, you come in, you get two fouls right away and that's been his thing. He's, he's having a hard time not using his hands. Sometimes they're, they're picking on him a little bit and he picks up some cheap ones, but, uh, got to be able to defend without fouling, man. He's so electric offensively. Just, just the way he moves with the ball. He's so fast. He's like a blur. He's going to be good and he's going to be really, really good. Sometimes 
it just takes a little while. People, everybody kind of develops at their own pace and gets comfortable at their own pace. Uh, and, and if KK sticks with it, he's going to be really, really good. He's got some, some JD note in him in terms of just his quickness and his ability to create off of the bounce. And as he develops that, uh, and continues to develop his outside shot, I, I, I really think he's going to be great for Arkansas in the future. I do. Anyway, tough loss. Uh, you know, you wish it would have gone differently, but, but here we are, right? Nine and two overall, uh, one and two in the SEC. And, and guess what? Here comes a Georgia team that's quite a bit better, I think, than everybody expected. Uh, they come in on Saturday, tip-offs at 2.30 from Bud Walton. Uh, listen, this is a crucial, crucial game. I, 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 can't, <laughs> I can't overstate it. Uh, because after this game, this home game against Georgia, next week is tough. You, you have road games at LSU and at Alabama, probably without Justin Smith. You could easily drop both of those games. I'm not saying you will, but you, I mean, the formula is there for it to happen. I mean, Alabama's been playing great. I don't know that I like that matchup uh, in terms of how fast they play and, and their guard-oriented team, uh, especially in their own building if they get hot, right? Uh, you know, we'll, we'll see about that. LSU is a team that can score it as good as anyone in the country. Can they defend? I don't know, but we know how difficult it is uh, to go win in that building. So, you know, you get, you get a Georgia team who it really was picked near the bottom of the, the SEC coming into the season, uh, but but they're good. I mean, the, there's no easy outs in the SEC. Look at Vanderbilt and what they were able to do um, on the road. Yeah, I know Kentucky's struggling, but still, I mean, they're, they're better. Georgia's better. It doesn't make sense. I'll talk about that in a second, but they, I think they're better. Uh, but you got to win that game at home. No questions asked. You have to win that game at home. Georgia's an interesting team. If you take a look at it, I, I'm still not sure if Tom Crean's a good coach or not. After all these years, it, he he baffles me. <laughs> I just I don't know what to think about him. You know, last year they had the number one overall pick in the draft in Anthony Edwards, and and they finished near the basement of the SEC. We'll see where they're at when it shakes out this year. But you know, they're they're kind of like Arkansas uh, in terms of their trajectory early on. I mean, they feasted on some lesser competition early. Uh, won their first seven non-conference games. They had a nice win, home win over Cincinnati, 15-point win. Cincinnati's a little down, uh, as it turns out, this year. But that's a good win to get on your home floor. Uh, started SEC play. They got tripped up against Mississippi State in the opener. It, Mississippi State, man, that's another team who nobody really thought much of coming into the season. But you know they they beat Georgia uh, in their SEC opener, and then they they, <laughs> they were down by a dozen to Missouri on Tuesday and, and came back and wound up beating them by about 15. And so, you know, they've got a couple really good guards that can score it. They're always, you know, big and physical when they defend. So, again, SEC is tough. At any rate, Georgia, back to them. Yeah, last night they go on the road for the first time all season uh, against LSU. Like I said, it, it's not easy to win there. Uh, lost by two in double uh, – excuse me, lost by two in overtime, 94-92 at LSU, hung tough with those guys. It's a team, they have some They have some pretty good-sized guards, Georgia does. Uh, not that big in the front court, but they're pretty athletic and mobile. I, I mentioned that a little bit earlier. Really, really balanced so far this season, and it looks like they can score it. Let me pull up their stats here. Let's see. 
Yeah, six, one, two, three, four, six guys averaging in double figures through nine games. That's that's pretty impressive. Scoring eighty one point four points per game. Uh, Tumani Kamara, remember that game, uh, that name. He's the guy that leads him in scoring fourteen point three points, nine rebounds per game. Uh, he's going to be a tough matchup for Arkansas again. Man, it was just like Eve Pons yesterday, where it's like you know Justin Smith is a perfect matchup for this guy, but he's not available. Dang it. Well, kind of the same case here with Kamara. I mean, he's 6'8", 220, pretty athletic guy. He's he's really mobile, runs the floor. Not much of a three-point shooter. He'll take him. He's 4 of 23 on the year. Uh, and he kind of plays that center position for them quite a bit at Georgia. Um, I don't I don't know how much I like that matchup with Vanover. I, I think in the half court, maybe you can get away with it a little bit. You can just kind of use that drop coverage and, and back Vanover off and say, hey, Kamara, if you want to beat us from three, have at it, bud, and then adjust if you have to adjust. Uh, but I worry in transition. This is a guy that really, he's a hes a rim runner, uh, finishes a lot of those transition dunks and things like that, can kind of keep up with him in transition, I, I think is going to be interesting to follow. Severe Wheeler, if you, if you remember the game from last year, you remember this guy, but a uh, little scrappy point guard. He's really having a, a pretty nice season for them so far. 13.7 points per game. He's second on the team in scoring. Uh, has 69 assists. He leads the SEC in assists by a wide margin, about eight per game. Uh, so, you know, he's a guy, he can he can shoot it a little bit. Um, again, not a high percentage so far this year, but he's a guy that really is quick. He attacks off the dribble, and then when he gets in the lane, he causes problems. Uh, and, and whether that's, you know, pulling up and knocking down the floaters and things like that or dishing off the teammates, he can cause problems. Now, he can also lose them a game. I mean, he has 69 assists on the year. He also has 46 turnovers. That's a lot. And so I, I think this is going to be a, a good opportunity for a guy like Jalen Tate with that, you know, he's going to have eight inches of height on Wheeler uh, to really kind of get in his shorts a little bit and harass him and try to force him into a bunch of turnovers. You know, Arkansas, we, we talked a lot about them turning the ball over 20 times, and that was a big reason why they lost. They, they lost the points off turnovers battle 19-4 to against Tennessee. They only forced five. And, and this is a team that was Arkansas was forcing 20 turnovers in their opponents per game through the first two. So I think against Georgia, it, they turned it over 22 times last night against LSU. LSU doesn't play any defense. And so I, I think you can frustrate these guys, get some turnovers, get out and get some easy baskets. And that could put Arkansas in a pretty good position in terms of, of winning that game. Like I said, it's a really important one. They don't shoot it extremely well. 30.9% uh, from three on the season from the outside. They do have two guys I, I think that are pretty solid uh, that, that you'll need to keep an eye on. Justin Keir, some of you might remember that name. He was one of those, not that Musselman isn't you know all over every grad transfer that enters the portal, uh, but but Arkansas was on this guy, and I, I think he might have might have been a take um, at one point, transferred out of, I, I believe, George Washington. But he's done a really nice job for Georgia so far, 18 of 42 from three-point range, 43%. So definitely one that Arkansas is going to have to keep an eye on. He hit six threes last night against LSU. So uh, that's one. And then another, uh, P.J. Horn, another grad transfer. He's a Stony Brook guy, bigger guy, 6'6", uh, 225, 230. Big frame guy. Uh, he's 18 of 51 from three. So 35%, but a lot of makes there. So you want to you want to make sure that you key in on those two guys. Arkansas did a good job last night defending the three against the Volunteers. So 
that'll need to continue. Ty Fagan, another guy averaging double figures for Georgia. Guard, wing, six foot three, really good slasher. He's you know he's averaging ten point six points per game, uh, and then Andrew Garcia coming off the bench is averaging ten. So six guys there that are averaging double figures. They're balanced. Be a good test for Arkansas. Okay. Let's see here. You know, taking a look at, at this game, and you don't like to call anything a must win. You really don't. But, you know, in, in, in the big picture of things, you don't want to fall to one and three in the SEC. Now, I, hey, I get it. The SEC is wild this year. Alabama is the only team that hasn't taken a loss yet. I, I'm pretty sure that's true. You know, I think it was just them in Florida, and then they beat Florida the other day. But you don't want to fall to one and three. You know, in my opinion, you're in a spot right now, if you're the Razorbacks, first of all, you need to win your home games. It doesn't matter who you're playing. Okay, but, uh, you know, I, if you can get up to 500 here and then find a way to split on the road next week, like I said, that's going to be tough. Listen, Arkansas could go to LSU and Alabama and win both of those games. They absolutely could. I mean, they they proved that with the way they played at Tennessee last night. They could also lose them both. And, and, you know, then you run the risk of falling to one in five or something crazy. You, you don't want that kind of meltdown. And I don't think they're going to have it. I think, I think this team is deep enough, talented enough, focused enough to where they're going to be able to do a better job of treading water this year, you know, as they kind of navigate through that injury with Justin Smith compared to the way uh, things kind of unraveled for a while when Isaiah Joe was out last year. Because I, and Musselman even said it, last year Arkansas couldn't sustain anything when they had an injury because they didn't have anybody else to turn to. I mean, who was on the bench last year when, when Joe went down? I mean, I guess you had, what, Jalen Harris, uh, Reggie Chaney, and Ethan. That's about it. Well, they, I mean, I think they had nine scholarship guys, so it was tough. Now you have this depth. I mean, you take a look at the guys who stepped up, Vance Jackson. We talked about Jalen Williams, Devo, whoever. Uh, I think you can weather the storm a little bit better. Starts by getting a home win against Georgia. If you do that and you go and you go, you, so let's say you split. I don't want to get too greedy. I don't want to be too overly optimistic. I don't want to be too negative. Let's say you split next week and go one and one. Well, then you're three and three, and you're going into a stretch where I I think you know you should be getting a little bit closer to full strength. But it, it's a time where I think you can go on a little run if you handle your business in the SEC. So you have LSU and Alabama next week. Then you have the return game, so you get Auburn at home. Okay. They're 0-3 now in conference. You you wonder, you know, with their postseason uh, eligibility being revoked, self-imposed, whatever, uh, now they're losing some games. You wonder, you know, what the confidence level is going to be like by the time they get back down here. But you're home against Auburn. Then you're at Vanderbilt, home against Ole Miss, and then then you have the the non-conference game against Oklahoma State. But then you return home against Mississippi State and Texas A&M. That's a five-game stretch where you could rattle off four or five if you handle your business. Like I said, there's no easy outs, but to me, those are games that you should be favored in, okay, those five games. So you could really kind of separate yourself and put yourself in a great position before you hit the road again and you go to, I think, Kentucky – and then Missouri after that, which I haven't seen anything from Kentucky so far that makes me think that 
it, that's an automatic loss for Arkansas, and and I think they're going to be really licking their chops to to head to Columbia and, and you know kind of get a rematch there against Missouri. So big game, big big game on Saturday. You know, it, it sounds like I didn't overhear this on the broadcast. I, I guess I was too busy paying attention to the game, but. Uh, sounds like Justin Smith might be a little bit closer to that three-week mark in terms of return from his injury than the six-week mark. Uh, I, I guess there was a comment made about that during the broadcast, and Musselman was asked about it after the game, and you know he said, hey, according to what he's heard, at least, uh, the surgery for, for Justin went really, really well. It was an arthroscop- uh, arthroscopic procedure on his ankle, uh, one of those high ankle procedures that you've, you've seen become more prevalent in the last couple years. Um, but it sounds like it went really well. The swelling is minimal and his pain is minimal. And what that means is he'll be able to accelerate the rehab process as long as he doesn't overdo it and have any setbacks, right? That's good. If he, if he's a fast healer and can get going, the first step will be getting out of that walking boot. Uh, and, you know, and Muscleman mentioned things like getting him in that underwater treadmill and, and working on his fitness and things like that. But, uh, the sooner he comes back, the better. Absolutely. And if, if a guy like Vance Jackson can really establish himself in the meantime, then when Justin gets back, you're that much better as a team, that much better, that much deeper. Then you can kind of get to that firepower that we kind of thought they would have coming off the bench coming into the year. You know, if you have a locked in J.D. Note and a locked in Vance Jackson coming off the bench, that's some pop that a lot of teams don't have in their second unit. I think it'd be something that can, you know, kind of separate the Razorbacks a little bit. Looking at the big picture some, I mean, Arkansas is still in a good spot. So those net rankings finally came out this week. And and for those who aren't familiar with those, uh, net rankings are essentially, you know, the algorithms that are are put together to rank teams and they're used for seeding and selection for the NCAA tournament. Uh, Arkansas debuted at number 24 in those rankings. That was that was following the Missouri loss. It's a really good spot to be in. They actually moved up to 23 going into the, the game against Tennessee. And even in a loss to Tennessee, they only dropped to number 29 because Tennessee's really good. <laughs> so you, you go on the road and lose by five points, you're not going to get hammered for that. Uh, you know, 29 is a good spot to be in. That, that kind of puts you in that seven to eight seed range right now. And, and if you start to win games and you to go along with playing a tougher schedule, you're going to continue to rise. Arkansas is in a good spot right now. Sure, you, you know, you'd like to be 11-0 and or whatever, and if they were, they'd probably be a, a top-20 team in the country. Oh, yeah, that'd be ideal. Sure. That's not the case, but even though you've dropped a couple, no need to press that panic button right now. I, I think they're in a pretty good spot. I really do. Okay. See if we got some questions today. Looks like we'll have a few. Okay. Pat Gamble says, "Go Razorbacks." I agree. Positive vibes. It's a, you know, I don't know where all of you are at, but it's a it's a rainy, dreary day here in Fayetteville. You wake up after a loss and you're like, "Ugh, man, it's a rough day." Let's bring a little sunshine to this thing. Shall we? Curtis Kendrick says, Trey, good morning. Oops, it's Curtis. Yeah. <laughs> Two shows now. Two shows now. Gotta get used to it. 
Edward Huckabee says, hello, Curtis. Go Hogs, go. I agree. Again, positive vibes. <clears throat> Curtis Kendrick says, played much better. Vegas and everyone had us losing by 10 to 13 points. It's true. That's true. I, I, I think Arkansas played a little bit better than people expected. Even me to a degree. I mean, I, I, I think about that game and how I felt going into it, especially after Tennessee lost the last time out against Alabama. And I'm like, man, you know, Arkansas has got a lot of questions they're trying to answer. You, you know, what are they going to do in this matchup without Justin Smith? Now Tennessee's ticked off because they lost at home. They're going to be refocused. It seemed kind of like a recipe for, <laughs> I won't say disaster, but maybe not their best performance. But, man, they played really well. Uh, and I think kind of reestablished some confidence in themselves, which is the most important thing. Uh, but then on top of that, you know, just being able to, I think, prove – uh, to others, hey, it doesn't matter who we're playing. If we're the Razorbacks, we're here to win and compete. And, and they had every opportunity to do that. Didn't get it done, uh, but that's okay. Jay McElverd says, Tate and Note are turnover machines. They kind of were last night. I'll, I'll give you that. I mean, Tate had six. Note had four. I, I think those are the final total, so that's ten turnovers out of out of 20 for the team between your two point guards so that's got to be better it it does it certainly does you know really uh note in particular i talked about how they're working with him on his point guard skills uh, and, and being a better distributor he gets that tunnel vision sometimes when he drives and that can get him into a little bit of trouble hopefully that improves as he gets more comfortable in that position and again he's a guy that hasn't played competitive ball in over a year, you know, during that sit-out season that he had, and then he makes the jump from Jacksonville, whatever conference they're in, A-Sun or something, to the SEC, so probably a little bit of an adjustment there for him too. Um, Tate, that uh, hopefully that was an anomaly. For the most part, he's been really solid, about a 2-1 to one on the assist-to-turnover ratio. Uh, he did have, he did lead the team with six assists last night. I, I thought he, I thought he played well. Uh, made some really tough shots, really tough shots. He he had one in particular early that really impressed me where he drove it right at Ponds uh, into his chest, gave him a little step through, and then finished on him. Uh, and, and whoever was announcing said that's only the fourth guy that scored a one-on-one -on -one basket against Ponds all season. That was a tough finish. Hit some big mid-range shots, hit a huge three uh, late in the game, and almost almost hit the, the biggest one uh, with, with about five seconds left, but he didn't. Um, Six assists, six turnovers. Some of those, sometimes he's a little high with his dribble. That might be because he's a 6'6", six, six lanky point guard. But um, some of them seemed a little bit careless. I, I think, you know, in those kind of games when you're trying to make plays, you're going to have some of that, and that's okay. Six is way too many. I think you have to eliminate, if you're Arkansas, the, the careless, silly, unforced ones. You know, a team like Tennessee's, they're going to turn you over, but you can't compound things by having a bunch of unforced errors. I think if they eliminate those, they'll be in a pretty good spot. Johnny White says, NIT bound. Come on, man. <laughs> Where's the positivity? I hope not. I hope not. I think this team is too talented for that. Um, you never know, you know what's going to happen with, with injuries and this crazy year of COVID and things along those lines. But uh, this is a team that's certainly talented enough to go to the NCAA tournament. Now, uh, 
talent's one thing, but but winning games and getting there is another. And I think for a program like Arkansas, it's been a little bit too long since they've been there. So hopefully they exceed your expectation there. Tyler Tober says, better that we struggle now than later. The fact that the team doesn't give up gives me hope. Yeah, I, I, I'll agree with that. That's one thing I, I'm glad you brought it up because I meant to mention that. There was a stretch there uh, a little bit later in the second half when Arkansas got down eight. I think Tennessee went up 69 to 61. That was the score. And, you know, at that point I was thinking, eh, uh, here we go. They'll probably stretch it out and, and win by 12 to 15. Arkansas has no give up. Kind of reminds me of the football team this year from that standpoint. There's no quit in these guys. They really, really battled back. They played great defensively down the stretch. I think they held Tennessee for almost five minutes towards the end of the game without a field goal. That was really impressive. You don't want to get down by eight and have to dig yourself out of a hole like that. But, you know, the way they clamped down and, and continued to show fight, especially on the road, uh, you know, after they kind of had a hit to their confidence against Missouri, I, I thought that was really impressive. Commendable. Gives me hope, too. Galen Bashir says, what's the story on the UALR transfer? Is he on campus? Is he practicing with the team? We could use him now with Smith out. Yeah, uh, Kamani Johnson. He is, a, he is on campus. He is practicing with the team. This is the 6-7 transfer from Little Rock. Uh, he did not fall under the, the blanket transfer waiver, eligibility waiver, uh, that was approved uh, whenever it was, last month at some point, uh, because he's a mid-year enrollee. So it had, had Kamani joined in the summer and set out the first semester, but he was taking classes and with the team and everything like that, then he would have been eligible immediately, as I understand it. Uh, because he was still at Little Rock, even though he wasn't on the team there, taking classes there, and just got enrolled at Arkansas, uh, he actually has to go through that NCAA waiver appeal process to get cleared, and there's no there's no time frame on it. You know how those things go. A lot of times it doesn't go in the favor of the Razorbacks, so I'm not super optimistic. But, yeah, I agree. We could use a guy like that right now with Smith out. Um Kamani is a little bit different than anyone else on that Arkansas roster in terms of he likes to play inside. Okay, with with, with Musselman's system, he really he recruits guys to fit his system, the the pace and space. Okay, and so you got to be long and and athletic and versatile, and so it's not really a system that lends itself to you know the six nine, two hundred and sixty pound you know back to the basket bruisers. Okay, and 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 things like that. They play a little bit more finesse and, and they like to get up and down. So. A guy like Kamani, I think, is a fair medium. 6'7", 215, he's a guy that can move and is athletic enough and versatile enough to where he can switch defensively, he can guard on the perimeter, he can run the floor and things like that. But he really prefers to play inside. Uh, he'll get on the glass and be aggressive. He's really good uh, at his shot fakes and moves inside to get a defender off balance, draw contact, and he goes to the free throw line a ton uh, and cashes in there. So I, I definitely think he's a guy – that, that could be a benefit for the Hogs if they had him right now. But uh, either way, I, I think he's someone that's going to help quite a bit in the future. Sometimes you forget about him when you, you think about the recruiting class and what's coming in. you got a Coma Wine, the junior college power forward, coming in 6'9", uh, you know, one of those lanky guys that can run the floor and shoot it and things of that nature. And you think about the freshman Chance Moore, a uh, big physical wing, who's been playing really well lately, by the way. Uh, at McEachern in Georgia, which is a great program. He was he was a little banged up for a while, but 
he's been back in action lately, looking pretty good. Um, but then you got you got Kamani, who's already on campus practicing with the team, if nothing else, for a semester and developing chemistry, and then he'll be ready to go next year if he doesn't get cleared at some point this season. Even if he does, it's a free year of eligibility, so what does it matter? But um, I think he's going to be a good piece, a good piece for the Razorbacks. Let's see. Tyler Tober says, what was the reason for Vance Jackson's two minutes against Missouri after last night? Can we expect more minutes? Um, I don't know about his two minutes against Missouri, to be honest with you. What I will say is, you know, you think about at the beginning of the season, you know, Vance started the first game against Mississippi Valley State, had a, had a really nice game. Everyone did. They scored 142 points, but uh, did really well. I think he had 15.7 rebounds in that game. Uh, then the very next game, Vanover replaced him in the starting lineup. And I think that was a bit of an adjustment for Vance uh, coming off of the bench and trying to figure out, okay, well, I started the first game, now I'm coming off the bench. What do you want from me when I come off the bench? And, and I think it took him a while to kind of start to understand what his role is going to be. So between that uh, and then uh, the fact that his shot wasn't falling, for a while, his minutes started to decrease and decrease and decrease, and it was, it was partly on him and partly because at the time you were getting a lot out of guys like Vanover in the in the non-conference slate, um, and Justin Smith was playing really well, and those are two guys that you, you felt like you really needed to have on the floor. Well, that comes at the expense of Vance's minutes, and, and I think it, it was probably a little frustrating for him, and he got in a bit of a rut there. And you could see, I mean, he was going from over 20 minutes a game no, no, he's playing 17, 18, then 12 or 13 uh, against Auburn. I think he played 12 minutes, didn't do a lot while he was out there. And then, yeah, I mean, they, I, was, I was actually surprised. I thought Vance might get the nod uh, in the starting lineup with Smith out against Missouri, and they went with Devo. And, yeah, I mean, Vance came in, played two minutes, and that was it. So, you, you know, you wondered. I think that's when the question started coming up, like, is this, is this guy in the doghouse? What's going on here? And, again, we asked Musselman that, and he said, no, he's, he's not hitting his shots right now. So, uh, you know, he came in, and I think right away against Tennessee last night, you could see a different confidence in him. And I'm sure Musselman could see that, too, and he performed really well. Um, and, you know, in terms of can we expect more minutes, I think so. To me, it seemed like Musselman was alluding to the fact that he might start him. So maybe, you know, maybe Vance gets the nod in the starting lineup against uh, against Georgia this weekend. We'll see. It'd be cool. I'm all for it. I, I think he can help the team. Okay. I think we pretty much covered it all. Good show. Appreciate everybody joining in today. Uh, again, trust the process. That that's my That's my advice for the day. Trust the process a little bit. This team is fine. They're in a good position. Again, sitting at number 29 in the net, but a critical, critical game this weekend against Georgia. Got to get it done on your home floor because the next two games on the road are going to be tough. Our next episode will be after that LSU game. Arkansas plays LSU next Wednesday. We'll recap all of that next Thursday. We'll always do the show after the midweek game. But at any rate, appreciate you guys joining in. It's been a blast as always. We'll catch you next time on Hog Hoops Live. I want to go back 
to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? <laughs> Okie dokie. Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil. The final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount+. Plus.